Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Melissa Harstein. She helps creatives, coaches, and consultants land next-level clients with customer-centric copy and case studies. As a trained journalist, she leverages her research and interview superpowers to write killer copy that makes readers think, holy guacamole, did they read my journal? Yes. (laughs) She answers, yes. (laughs) Uh, We're breaking down everything about case studies today what it is, how you can use them to land more clients, how you can use them to vet your clients and to work with more of the dreamiest people you've ever worked with, how you should set up the interview, how to transcribe it, how to make it for a social post or a blog post or on your sales page and all the different places that you can include it. Everything about this process makes it seem so tangible and 100% worth it. This is definitely one where I feel like after this episode, you're going to be like, okay, I can like send out this one ask and have one, at least one kick-ass case study ready to go like really, really soon. Um, Definitely take notes. If you want to reach out to us or Melissa, don't hesitate to come hang out with us on Instagram and let us know if you do get an amazing case study because of this episode. I can't wait for you to hear about how awesome you are with your clients. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Super excited to be here. Yeah, well, I can't wait to talk about case studies. I I know some of you are like, wait, I don't know if this shows for me. The answer is, do you want to make more sales? Then the answer is, yes, you're going to pay attention, okay? This is a strategy that I not only am positive works, but not enough people are taking advantage of it. So I think this is such an amazing way to stand out from your competition. And even if you're used to using like traditional testimonials and just a quote from a past client, this is like taking it up a notch. And so I'm excited to dive in with you today, Melissa. First of all, I'd love to know, how did you even get into this space? Because it's such a specific form of copywriting. How did you start talking about case studies. 
Yeah, so I actually um, started my career as a journalist working at this little niche newspaper for the elderly. And, you know, that was where I really learned interview skills, as well as how to tell like a really good human interest story. And that's really the same skill set that I use now as a case study writer, because, um, you know, kind of the first step to writing a great case study is talking to your customer and hearing about their experience and what it was like to work with you. And some people might think that case studies are just kind of a boring report, but when they're done properly, they're really a story kind of like one of your favorite movies, like Harry Potter or you know, Pride and Prejudice or something, where there's some really great characters, they pull you into the story and, and make you just really feel like it's happening to you. Yeah, for sure. I think it is a great opportunity to hear from people and get their perspective in a way that's convincing and a way that's compelling. Um, I think a case study done poorly can feel a little dry, a little um, like, oh, that's cool. Like, I don't know. I feel like especially if you're used to maybe like a product report or like you've looked up consumer reports for something in the past, you're used to just looking at a, a small review and it's just very to the point and factual. Whereas I think what you're talking about is really highlighting a previous customer in a way that not only makes them shine and their story shine, but shows and illustrates in a compelling way why you're the difference maker in this scenario. Exactly. And I think when Abby, when you were just talking there, it reminded me when all the times that I feel like we have read case study emails from other marketers specifically like in our inbox. And I think like my biggest turnoff in reading someone else's case study is this isn't realistic and it's not going to work for me. It won't happen to me. Like it's told in such a way that's like so dreamy and so amazing that it just doesn't feel like you can relate to anything. So I do think there's a balance as the the writer of the case study or the creator of the case study to showcase like the highlights of your product or service for sure, but in a way that like doesn't sound fake or spammy because I feel like that's a really fine line to walk. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's super helpful to really bring in your customer um, and let them do the story, tell the story for you. Because if you're interviewing them and using, you know, some software like Otter, um, for example, that'll make a transcript, then you can just pull their quotes directly from the interview transcript and use those quotes to really write that compelling, narrative-driven, you know, story that feels believable and authentic and genuine and makes you excited to buy. Yeah, 100%. Well, just a, a tech note, if you're talking about transcripts, if you guys use Zoom, now, I'm not sure if this applies to every account, but a lot of them now, if you record them, it creates an auto transcription after the fact that you can log in and look at. And it's not going to be perfect, like as if you had hired a transcription service, because they're going to go back and like audit those things, because this is all AI at that point. But um, if you're looking for something quick, that can be a really great free add-on to something you might already be paying for. So um, I love that using direct quotes from them. Now I'm curious when you're looking at copywriting, how do you like get the tipping point of like, you're telling it from their perspective, but it does feel relatable. Cause I do think there's this, the point that Emily brought up sometimes 
you just seem like such a magician that like you've <laughs> completely written off my your, job, you guys. You've typically written off your average customer so much so that they just don't relate anymore. So how do you k- still keep it relatable? I think a simple way to do that is just to have multiple case studies. So if you have several services or several types of businesses that you work with, you know, maybe you have one from one one of your superstar customers, right? But then you also maybe tell a story from someone that isn't maybe quite as exciting or noteworthy, but it feels more, again, it feels a little bit more relatable to kind of like the everyday person. Um, So that's a really great way to do it. And then I think another thing is before you start writing a case study, try to like put yourself in the headspace of like, imagine yourself as as the person that you're, you're interviewing or writing about. What types of things would attract you, you know, to this business? Or, or for you as the business owner, what kind of things are you wanting to like really um, attract in your future clients, right? Because I think if, I, I think empathy is just the key to everything. If you can really empathize with your reader, your ideal customer, and put yourself in their shoes, then it's just going to make the story feel a lot more um, down to earth. Sure. Now, I think uh, as a business owner working primarily in the B2B space, most of the time when I'm hiring someone, I'm looking at return on investment and I want to see results in that arena. But what if the thing you're selling is less about creating a financial result for someone, how would you illustrate a case study that's still compelling without attaching something like dollars to it? Definitely. And I always think that dollars are just like a little piece of the pie when it comes to telling the story of the results. If you can find out how your customer felt, like were they so relieved because all of a sudden they had more time in their day and they could go pick up their daughter after school, which they had never been able to do before. Or, you know, maybe they have a little bit of extra income available so that they can delegate a task to a designer, for example. Like more of those quality of life types of things that just um, really hit home, I think, even more than the dollar signs. I think that that, that those intangible results can even be more impactful and, and do an even better job of attracting your dream clients than even just the financial results. So what do you think is, if you have a framework to share, how do you get, how do you phrase those questions when you're talking to your client to get the best answers without like leading them down too far of a certain path where you know exactly what they're going to say then? Yeah. So every great case study has kind of like three segments, right? The first segment is what was their life like before they started working with you? What was their life like while they were working with you? And what is their life like now since you've done this project together or since, you know, they've bought your product or whatever it is? And so trying to like think about questions in that way where you could ask them, you know, if you can imagine, like think back to what was going on before you found me on Instagram or before we started working together, what was going on in your life? You know, what kind of challenges were you facing? Why did you hire me specifically? Were there other people that you thought about hiring and why didn't you go with them? And just kind of continuing down like that line of thought through your entire customer experience and your customer process. And then when it comes to results, you know, asking things like, okay, so what kind of an impact did our work together have on your business? 
Or if you're a product-based business, you know, say you sell some clay earrings or something, say, how did your friend feel when you gave her those earrings for Christmas? Did her eyes light up? You know, was she like, wow, this is the best present I've ever gotten? Did she put them on right away and wear them the next like three times you saw her? Whatever that is, I think those types of like really vivid examples um, that kind of help the reader imagine themselves in that scenario, like those are just always really great details to include. Yeah, I know for me, I, when I go into a situation like this, I always think about like, take the people I've hired in the past and look at what did I love about working with them? And if I were to go give them a case study and I knew it was going to be like, give them results. Like, what are the kinds of things I would say? And then you can kind of reverse engineer it a little bit because not to like toot my own horn or anything, mm-hmm. but um, I have had quite a few people ask for my testimonial in the past. I get really good case studies. I do. I am like, I know what they're looking for and I know what's going to ultimately sell someone on the back end. And so I think sometimes we are innately good at some of that. But then the moment it's about ourselves, we're like, I don't know. Did you like my thing? (laughs) So we get weird about it. So I just like to think through, if I were doing this for someone else, what would I know would be helpful to them? And then think about, like, try to remove yourself from it a little bit. And sometimes you need to talk it out with someone else. Like, I know for me, not if Emily is not around, I get really stuck in my head about, certain certain things and so like not all of you are going to have your Emily and that's mm-hmm. fine but like there's gonna, there's gonna be someone in your life that you can kind of play through a scenario with to get an idea of what to ask before you do an interview um talk to me about that structure though you mentioned the three parts the be- which is essentially becoming a beginning a middle and an end how do you illustrate that say on a web page in a way that's less I don't know. Sometimes I think you'd end up back in high school English and like make this feel like a book report. So like, how do you not go Once there? Once upon a time, there was a client. <laughs> I mean, I'm a little bit older. So I, when I was working as a journalist, it was, you know, still print journalism. It wasn't digital. But I like to think about, you know, a really good story in like a magazine or something, right? And it starts out you know, really drawing the reader in and helping them imagine the scene. You know, this client, you know, she's a a 30-something mom and she uh, has her own business on the side and she's trying to figure out how to balance work and business. And so she was just like looking for a way to have more time in her day. You know, whatever that is, kind of set the scene and then almost immediately pull in a quote from your client and let them kind of like tell the story for you. And so like, that's like the strategy I usually take is, kind of every other paragraph is, you know, some kind of a description to kind of keep the narrative moving along. And then the next paragraph is a direct quote from the client, you know, explaining, this is what this meant to me. This is what what was going on in my life. Some of that back and forth. I also think a good rule of journalism is writing in reverse. And people are like, wait, what? Okay, so when you're reading a book, the climax is at the end. Uh, when you're writing a good piece of journalism, it, you need to wow your reader so far in the beginning to get them to stay reading that like you put all the important facts at the get go. And so I love what you're saying about 
kind of setting it up, like you're talking about that very beginning stage, but very quickly talking about the results they're getting. I think if you don't have a result within the first two or three sentences, you're going to lose people right away. Yeah, definitely like building that tension, like you said, that climax. Um, and you know, like again, it's like any good book, any good movie, any good book that you're reading. There's there's kind of like a a teaser about what's coming, but you don't give them the whole story. You don't give them the whole thing. You just kind of like hook them and get them interested enough to keep reading and like find out what's going to happen. Yeah. How did they get that result? How did you get to that point in your working relationship with them? For sure. So talk to me about all the places that you've like that you see that the same kind of piece of content can be repurposed. Because I think looking into Boss Project, we only have like maybe two case studies fully fleshed out and they're in an email and that's it. Yeah, there are so many different, there's so many ways to use case studies. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're such a great tool to have in your marketing toolbox. Because one of the most traditional ways is just to put them on your website. Some people use them as a blog post, but I really love to see like a standalone page on your site, like called case studies or client stories. And having, you know, maybe three different stories on that page, you know, showing a diversity of the types of people you work with, the types of projects you have done, you know, the type of results that you've gotten. But then you can take, you know, those individual testimonial quotes from the case study and turn them into a really cute Instagram graphic, right? That really grabs people's attention. Um, you can use them in an email, like nurturing sequence or welcome sequence, kind of like you said, Emily. You can also use them on a sales call. Um, you could say, hey, this is a really great story I have from a past client that I've worked with. You know, I'd love to share with you and kind of like tell a condensed version of that case study. You can, you can turn them into a PDF and attach them to your proposals, right, when you're pitching a project. And I think that's one of the best ways to use them. Um, one of my clients said that she actually had a 100% proposal acceptance rate after she started attaching case studies to her proposals okay. because her... Yeah, because her potential clients could see that she was an expert. She see they could see exactly like how she did things, what her process was, you know, what kind of results she got. Like it was just a no-brainer. It was so easy for them to say yes to her and hire her because they knew what they were getting. Want to learn exactly step by step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I think similarly, you can use them even in media kits. Like if you're pitching to work with a company or a brand, that if you have this past experience, you can set yourself up like, oh, people are going to take you way more seriously, not just when they see who you've worked with, but like what did, what results did you actually create for them? Um, because sometimes it's surprising. I uh, really want to turn this into something bigger because I know it's probably one of the cooler things I've done for another small business. And I, I recently painted my house, okay, which doesn't sound all that revolutionary. I have not used the person's name publicly. I haven't even listed him on my website, but people, enough people have asked questions that he's generated tens of thousands of dollars in client work and is booked out for over six weeks. For me to be able to pitch that to another small business and say, this is the kind of result you can expect. It's not guaranteed, but like, that's going to make my ability to work with another small business, maybe for free or paid a lot easier because it's such a big tangible result. And it's also really fun to watch other people be successful when you work with them. Because I I think honestly, the best case studies are the ones you're the most excited about anyway. Like when you're really excited for your client that not only did you produce a result, but they like took what you did and like really ran with it. And they like jumped on board because usually 
usually when you create a result for someone, yes, you did the work, you, you created the product or the service, but they had to do something with it to get the bigger result long-term. Like it's not a one-side relationship. And I think that's really important to remember when you're writing a case study is that, yes, it's a story about your business and how you help someone else be successful, but your client is really the hero of the story. And so your role is kind of like a supporting actress in a movie, right? Like your job is to make your client look really, really good. And as a result, you're going to look really good too. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned. We don't work one-on-one with clients anymore, but I've I read an article or heard a chat from someone that was like, literally, I think it was about copywriting lessons where it was like, change, every service provider wants to be the hero in your copy. And you aren't, your client is the hero every time you're helping them reach that goal, you're helping it make it happen, but they did it. And until you change that narrative in your copy, and then show this in your case studies, you're gonna, in my opinion, like keep getting clients who expect you to do way more work than what you want to do for them. And like, you have to babysit them, you have to handhold them. And you touched on this earlier. And I would love to hear if you have any more tangible ideas to how to make this really, really efficient. How can we use our case studies to continue to vet clients, new clients moving forward, specifically about, I feel like if you spend time in your case study talking about a dreamy client on how they acted, you will then get more clients who act like that. So what are some tips to continue bettering who we're working with? I think that it really just starts with the strategy that you have going into the case study because, you know, it is a story, but there's still like that marketing element to it and thinking about what are my goals for this case study? What do I want to achieve with it? You know, if I'm like, I want to work with more of this type of client because they just completely trusted me. They were not micromanaging. They just like trusted my expertise, you know, in my field. Then those are the types of details that you want to be sure to include in the case study so that you're not like, it basically, you're going to attract people that want that same things for themselves. And you're going to kind of repel people that want to maybe micromanage or like control all the details. And so there's like all these like little decisions that you can like think about ahead of time and kind of, you know, even just like write them down in a list. Like, I want to make sure that I'm attracting this type of person in the future. I want to make sure I'm, you know, doing this and then making sure that you do include those in the case study. Yeah, I think that's an important point. I think we can... I don't want to say pigeonhole because that makes it seem like you're stuck forever, but you can just like attach yourself to too many things or too many things in a certain area and not really realize like the cumulative effect of attaching yourself to a certain story. And what, what I mean by that is if your copy on your site speaks to a certain kind of person, you're going to keep getting that certain type of person. And so like if you really had you know, maybe the average client is this, but that's really not your favorite person to work with. You need to be highlighting that like one or two people that you did absolutely love working with. Um, I, here I go saying I saw it on TikTok again, but whatever. <laughs> um, I saw this great TikTok about someone talking about copy and, and they were specifically calling out um, a friend of theirs who completely changed their business because the person they continued to talk to had all of these problems and they were stuck and they were um, 
didn't know what was next for themselves. And they like had all these really dramatic pain points. Um, and there were really high maintenance people to work with. And then the moment they started talking about, you know, like you already have it figured out, but you're ready for the next level. You already blah, blah, blah. Like you, like you start talking about someone who doesn't have such drama in their lives. Like sometimes your copy can be simpler, um, but it's going to attract more of the right people. It was like a year and a half ago. We did that tweak to our sales page of our signature program where first we were talking to the people who were so overwhelmed and paralyzed by indecision and you need someone to guide you. And we were on purpose creating very like timid, non-action based students. And we were like, we were talking to a friend of ours, Jess Ely, you guys know and love her. Um, and we were just like, man, we just like kind of dragging us down. Like it's getting depressing over here. Like how can we like pump some new life back in? She was like, stop talking to those kind of people. Like literally ch- reframe your copy to speak to like, once you take the action, here's how you're going to feel. And like, here are the results. Like once you do this thing. And it was amazing the type of different students we started to like see come to our coaching calls. Oh, it was like night and day. Right. I love that. And I've seen one of my clients do that as well. Um, she's a conversion or like sales page copywriter. And that was all she was known as was a sales page writer. But she felt like she had so many more big dreams for herself and her business. And she wanted to become more of an of a CEO and write like full launches. And so we actually wrote a case study that perfectly positioned her for this next step in her business. So she had written, you know, this person, her client had um, hired her only to write the sales page, but just kind of as a bonus, she had written, you know, a close card email and, you know, given a lot of really good advice for the launch. Like everybody who was opening the emails and reading them and clicking, but not buying yet. Um, she said, Hey, just send that person a video message, like a personal video message saying, Hey, I see you. I would love to talk to you more if you have questions. And that strategy resulted in like three more clients in the last hour, three more people signing up. Right. So we told that story in the case study. And just like a month later, she booked her first full launch, like no questions asked. And I think that's what's so amazing about case studies is if you do them well, it really does position you to take on a whole new type of growth in your business. Yeah. Abby, I'm sitting here thinking we need to have someone make a case study out of the podcast episodes we've done with our alumni. You mean hire Melissa to write? Yeah, that's <laughs> um, no, I I am thinking the same thing. Honestly, every every time we have a really good guest, I'm I a want to hire them and b want to like take action on my business. And I'm like, guys, Let's like, do it. I'm not <laughs> taking enough advantage of this. No, okay. So I want to point out that a lot of the strategies we talk about on the podcast are bigger, more complicated, like require more eyeballs to see your thing to get X result. I think the amazing thing about a case study is if you're writing it for the right person, you can have such a small audience and just the right people see this, that it's really just taking the questions away from someone. You're taking the hesitation out of the booking process that you don't need 
hundreds of thousands of eyeballs on your thing to or get the result you're looking for. Or a thousand case studies. Like, or a thousand case studies. Like, yeah, you need like even one, honestly, even one can make such a pivotal difference for where you want to go, especially, especially if the service you provide has like strategy associated with it. Not that you can't use a case study for other things, for sure. Because I do think sometimes people are like, I don't know how this would work for me or my product or my whatever. Can you get actually, that's a great question. Can you talk to, okay, I totally get how this works for service providers. You're producing a result, you're working for a client. But can you talk about some different industries and how you might use a case study? I think you're right. It is a more of a natural fit for service providers, but I think it can work for more like product-based businesses, especially if you're explaining how that product fits into someone's life, right? Because really when you're trying to sell a product, you're not just selling the thing. You're selling what that thing makes possible. And so um, again, like telling the story of like, I was on the hunt for this this gift. I was on the hunt for, you know, this perfect set of curtains for my home, like whatever the thing is. And tell the story of how I felt when I just was like, oh, I have this vision in mind and I want this thing and I just can't find it. I can't make it work. You know, bring in that tension and that emotion. And then tell the story of like, okay, this is how I found, you know, the solution. This is how I found the um, product I was looking for. And this is how I feel now after the fact, you know, now every time I look at this, these curtains in my office, I'm just so thankful that I finally found them. And like, does it really make my life better? Not necessarily on like, on a very like, I don't know, just basic level, but they just bring me so much joy every time I see them. And I just, you know, I even told my husband the other day, like these, I just love how good my office looks now. And that's just really a quality of life type of thing. Yeah. Well, and I think there's this misconception that, a product can only fulfill like a quality of life change when that's not necessarily true. I have a an example. So I saw this blogger recently partner with a small cabinet maker, which like, why does a cabinet maker need press that I could get into all of that? And that's a whole nother story. But I thought it was so uniquely positioned for how like the solution they were actually solving um because she was talking about you know the cost for a new kitchen is x and like if you were to do all new everything like you could expect to spend blank but they specialize in custom fronts and instead of you know there's a lot of people out there now not necessarily back in the day but a couple of years ago the big new thing was custom fronts for like Ikea cabinets. But what about if you just have an existing older home and I want new cabinet fronts that are updated, but I don't necessarily want the expense of reorienting my whole kitchen and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we do custom sizes and you can pick any color that Bayer makes. And I was like, whoa, like what a like claim to make. And I guarantee you <laughs> that small business is not small any longer. It's going to be a big, massive change for their business. But that's one case study that literally is going to pivot their whole business. And so if you can start to think about what is a unique way you solve a problem in like a new way, I think, I think think there's a lot of advice. Me, how my earrings have changed your life. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know, I know not every product can do that. And that's frustrating. 
No, but I, I've even gotten some just very personal messages about like increase of confidence. And I wear them when I, yes, I'm in my zoom meetings, but like, I feel really like put together and really confident. And then there's been a couple where I've gotten where it's like, it's gotten me through like a health crisis or a miscarriage or what mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? But like we're figuring out how to word that someone else's very personal testament when I didn't ask for it has been my like, I don't know like where to really mesh that in to like go buy some earrings, but it's sweet still. And I think on a kind of related note, I think that having case studies can actually just make you feel more confident as a business owner. You know, um, when you're sending out a pitch, when you're you're putting your stuff out there, you know, on, on Instagram, on email, on, on a website, having somebody else say, like, you rock, like, you did a really good job, you changed my life, like, you delivered, you did the thing, I just think that makes makes it so much easier you know, especially I think in those early years of business or even like, I mean, people that in business a long time, that imposter syndrome still shows up and it is painful and it is scary and terrifying. But I don't know, just like having, sometimes I call case studies like love notes from your clients to yourself. And, you know, you can even just go read them on a bad day and be like, okay, I can do this. I am capable. I'm totally confident. Even turning on reviews, like it's not a full on case study, it's just a sentence or two. But I turned on reviews a year into selling earrings. Like, I don't know what took me so long. And I get an email because they go automatically now, like every week of like, you have a new review to approve. And I'm just like, thank you. That really helps. (laughs) Yeah. I honestly, getting people to say nice things about you, I could eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. (laughs) I love it. And it's not, it's not, I think sometimes people get weird about how they feel about them. Like, oh, I really shouldn't like appreciate this as much as I do. But honestly, words of affirmation, always words of affirmation is a love language. So if, if that's how you thrive, I think it can be pivotal in how you feel about your business or product. Cause I know for sure there was a point in our business where I would call Emily and be like, I don't know. I don't know. And then she'd literally just send me screenshots of like what people had said about us. And I'm like, I'm okay Okay. now. Like (laughs) I get it. I like, I think sometimes it can be that thing that you need to look back on yourself and be like, damn, I really did do that. Because I think so often we make ourselves smaller, and that's stupid. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I want to talk about structure just like a little bit more. If you were to like, I get the single page on the website kind of going back and forth between your words and theirs, but like if you're pulling this out for other purposes, what's your favorite way to like get a snapshot of something? and post it on social or use it in an email. Two things kind of come to my mind. One is that case studies are really built of smaller blocks and smaller elements. Like we've talked about already, like they're built up of like testimonial quotes from your clients. You know, they have maybe some data or metrics or results. And so you can pull out that individual quote, you can pull out that individual data point, but you can also just write a kind of a shorter like summary type um, story, you know, like a mini story from your case study. So for example, if I were pitching a podcast, like you talked about earlier and had a media kit, maybe I would attach the full case study, or maybe I would just share like one little anecdote because so often with case studies, 
the more specific that you can get and really share concrete details, not just like, oh, I, I did, I, um, I don't know. We had we showed up on a coaching call and we talked about this thing, but then go into a little bit more detail about on the coaching call. We talked about, um, you know, my client was having trouble like figuring out how to get her marketing in front of more people and build up her audience. And so we we talked about X, Y, and Z, right? When you can take that very specific anecdote and pull it out of the case study and turn it into like a social media caption, for example, that's where you're really going to have that power coming from the little building blocks that make up a bigger case study or a bigger story. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. And well, just so you guys know, Melissa used a case study to get on the podcast to talk about case studies. Brilliant. Um, definitely <laughs> part of the reason I said yes, but also I thought it was a really interesting topic. Um, so I... I really love this is a tool that builds credibility and authority. And like we said, can build confidence. Let's jump into talk strategy to me. If you can break it down. I know we talked a little bit about interviewing, but let's be a little bit more tangible. If, if you're ready to write one, how would you set up a call with a previous client? And then what are the steps you'd take to gather the information and then ultimately turn it into a case study? Yeah. So the first thing you need to do is write out your list of questions that you want to ask. And like we talked about earlier, think about, you know, imagine yourself in that scenario and kind of think through, you know, what was life like before, you know, we started working together? What was life like during our project? And what is life like now that the project is completed? And once you have those questions written out, just send your client a quick email and say, hey, I would love to tell your story you know, with other potential customers, share it with my audience. Would that be okay with you? And if so, when's a good time for us to chat? And you can either, you know, do it on Zoom. I think that's usually the best way and, you know, kind of gets the best, um, maybe like the most efficient, but you could also, of course, do it by phone or email as well. And after you've done that interview, the next step is to figure out what elements of that interview you want to include in the case study. So what I like to do is just print out that transcript and go through it with a highlighter and mark it up and say, okay, this is a really great quote. This is a really good detail I want to include. You know, this is the type of characteristic that I want to attract in future clients. Once you have kind of that transcript marked up and you have the pieces that you want to want to use in your case study, you know, just open up a document and kind of create an outline and start dumping those quotes and details kind of back into an an outline structure with that before, during, and after. And then once, and then it, from then on, it's really just kind of building the narrative and kind of making the pieces flow together, you know, from, from the beginning to the middle to the end. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. I think that's such a tangible takeaway and y'all need to do this. <laughs> I need to do this. Emily and we I need, need to, to do, do this. this. It's, I, I think regardless of where you're at in business, regardless of how your sales are currently going, this is an amazing thing to revisit because the, the thing here that I think is important, you could already be making sales, but if this increases conversions, could you be making so much more because you're telling a powerful story? The answer is probably yes. So like, don't be fooling around with this. Okay, Melissa, I love it. People are definitely going to want to hear more from you hang out with you online, hire you to help them produce these case studies. How can they get in touch? Where can they find you? Yeah, I love hanging out on Instagram. So you can find me at Melissa Harstein Creative. 
I also have a free resource on my website called The Five Ingredients for an Irresistible Case Study. And that outlines some of that strategy stuff we were just talking about. Like, okay, how do you decide who to feature in your case study? What types of interview questions should you ask? How do you like go about, you know, writing the story? Kind of a workbook on that to make it super simple for you. And that is available at melissaharstein.com slash case studies. Awesome. Melissa, thank you so much for being here, guys. We're going to have those links in the show notes of this podcast episode, so you can click right over there. Um, Thank you so much, Melissa. This was great. Thanks. It's been a blast. I appreciate you having me on your show. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy-to-customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics, we make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.